Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome to The Family Room. My name is Mari Cleveland, and I am here with my co-host, Craig Wiesmeyer. Hey, Craig. Hey, Mari. How are you? And John Gordon. Hi, Hello, John. Hello, Mari. Hello. We're so <laughs> glad to be... We're a little slap happy today, aren't we? It's been a long day. <laughs> but you know what? It's a good day. It's a good day, because we're good here day. in The Family Room with all of you wonderful listeners out there. So we are thankful that you are here, that you are listening to us. And today, we have a very interesting topic. Mm. It's one that maybe you haven't thought about in a while, but just it's the topic of vocations, following God's plan for your life. And interestingly enough, I looked up that word vocation in the dictionary. And as a Catholic vocation to me usually means you're a priest or you're a religious, right? But a vocation truly is your job. It's truly the calling that God has for you. It is um, all of the ways that you can be pouring out your gifts and your talents for the world. And so I think that for all of us, especially here in the family room, part of our purpose is we want our kids, we want our grandkids, we want our nieces and our nephews and the people that we love in our lives to follow God's plan for their lives. And we notice their gifts and their talents, and we really try to steer them to honor those gifts from God. So we try to help people discover those their vocations and whatever that might be. So today, we are very fortunate to hear the beautiful story of our guest, Heather Triggs. And she has said yes to a very special vocation for God. Um, after already using many of her gifts for him um, for many years in a lot of different ways. So um, welcome, Heather. We Thank are glad you. to have you. Thanks. Um, and Heather is a, um, currently she is a counselor at Holy Redeemer Catholic School in Johns Creek, Georgia. But um, in a few minutes, we are going to ask actually ask Heather to walk us through her beautiful journey and all the ways God's ha- God has used her and kind of ultimately what's happened recently in her life. But before we do that, we love to always start all things with prayer. So, Craig, would you um, open us in prayer? Absolutely. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your graces and all your blessings. We thank you for all the gifts and talents you've given us. We just pray that you enter into our hearts and the hearts of all those listening, that you will open our hearts up, increase our capacity to love, increase our capacity to serve you, to honor you, and to take all of the talents you've given us to serve you wherever we are. We ask you to teach us how to love better. We ask you to teach us how to accept your love and to be loved by you. And to hear your voice that wants to lead us in the path that you have for our lives and our vocations. And we just ask you to be with us. We ask you to be with our listeners and Heather as we go through the show. And we just praise you and we thank you and we offer all things in Jesus' holy name through the intercession of Our Lady and in coordination with St. John Paul II and the Holy Family. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Son, Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heather, you have served in all kinds of roles and schools and churches, I think all around the Archdiocese mm-hmm. of Atlanta. And uh, I'm willing to bet there's a lot of our listeners that already know who you are and know the great story, but there's a lot who don't. And so maybe could you share just a little bit about yourself, you know, where you are, what got you to where you are? Um, you you have a very, I'll say very unique, but a special kind of calling and blessing and, and path that you've chosen. And I think it would be good to hear that. 
All right. Well, just to give you the fast overview to start with, um, I was born in middle Georgia 51 years ago. I'll be 52 <laughs> this year. Might as well throw that out there. Wow, you're um, great. Thank you. <laughs> you know, we, here in the family room, we try to be really vulnerable. We so just that's just vulnerability go, right there, right? There you go right there. Um, but I was born in middle Georgia in Warner Robins and uh, went to college at University of West Georgia uh, out in Carrollton yeah. and actually started doing uh, youth ministry there after a priest invited me to do that. Um, ended up, uh, I was also a counselor. I'm a licensed professional counselor. So it was kind of these dual tracks of uh, working in parish ministry, church ministry, um, youth ministry, all of those good things uh, thrown in there with counseling. Um, took a job in Rome, was there for here in the United States, not Rome, Rome, Rome Georgia. Not, Georgia. not Mother Rome, but <laughs> Rome, Georgia. Cool. Wow. Rome, and Georgia. Rome. And the Pope <laughs> called me to come to Rome. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, I wish. Uh, for a couple of years um, and then ended up. Moving from counseling to full-time youth ministry and parish ministry in Atlanta, taught school for a while in a Catholic school uh, in the archdiocese, um, kind of ups and downs all along the way, and then ended up now in uh, guidance counseling in a in a one of our archdiocese and elementary schools, Holy Redeemer. Shout out! I promised one, um, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, and all along the way, the Lord was always pursuing me and calling my heart into to deeper and deeper union with Him. And so we'll get there in a few minutes, too, as well. Yes. Yeah, so it's so cool because it's interesting to see that people started seeing gifts in you mm -hmm. early on, like that initial priest who invited you into working with the youth and uh, even as you were studying. So that's great. So ultimately, you did go, you did, you were called into this special vocation. Um, and we'll talk about that before we get into it. Um, there was, there was a journey that you had to experience, um, because you didn't just suddenly decide on this final vocation in your not final this, this ultimate maybe. Uh, vocation. There was a journey. You mentioned you grew up in Warner Robins. Um, Middle Georgia is not really known for having huge Catholic community. <laughs> no. no. So tell us more about that. Um, what was that like? What kind of role did your parents play then in your faith journey? All right. Um, I tell friends and I told my spiritual director when I first met with him, I don't remember a time where I didn't know the Lord. Mm. Um, he was always such a part of my life from childhood. One of my favorite pictures that I have, and I wish I had it to show those of you that can see it. Um, I'm six or nine months old, sitting in my dad's lap on the living room floor, chewing on this wall rosary that one of my uncles had sent. So, you know, if you can imagine these huge beads and I'm gnawing on it, teething, um, I had no hope to land anywhere else except in the hands of the Lord, right? I mean, it's the most beautiful thing. But growing up in my family, uh, the faith was always part of our life. And it was just, it was a given. Uh, we learned prayers. I was in Catholic school for six years. The sacraments were celebrated in my family. We had huge parties after all of our sacraments. It was a big deal. Mm. Um, I'm the oldest of six. And so family life was seen as a real beauty and a gift. My parents were involved in the charismatic movement. One of my earliest memories is my brother and me playing with toys in the midst of these prayer groups that were happening in the other half of our room and people <laughs> praying and, and singing in tongues. And that was just part of our growing up. Wow. Um, such, such vibrant reality. Um, priests and religious were friends with my parents when I was a child. So even though it was not a very Catholic area of the state, our like insulated community was made up of Catholic families. But, but I started to, to just probably as a teen, I started just really wondering what it was the Lord was asking of me. And I met a religious sister when I was 16 and thought, 
oh my gosh, that's what the Lord wants me to do. And I was like, I don't even know what that means exactly. <laughs> um, and she gave this talk, this beautiful talk on um, being married to Jesus. And I remember thinking, ooh, that resonates deeply. And it was hard to put words on that as a 16-year-old kid who also was discovering boys around the same time <laughs> and who also wanted children very much. And again, mm -hmm. I had had all these wonderful brothers and sisters, loved to babysit, loved feeding babies, holding babies, snuggling babies. So I assumed that's what I was going to have. But I also that that move was going on inside my heart, came back, talked to a priest about it after this retreat. He helped me write all these letters to religious communities and they were like, ah, oh, nice, but you're a little young. You're 16. This was 1986 ish. So it was a very kind of different type of, of, of mm -hmm. time. I think in the church a bit, I think we're on more of a resurgence of vocations. And I think, you know, I don't know how to go there, but anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, so they told me, hold on, wait till you're done with high school and college, then talk to us again if you're still mm. interested. So being a tempestuous 16-year-old, I was like, if they don't want me, I don't want them. I got it all confused, whatever. So I went off to school. Yeah. Um, got a counseling degree and loved doing that. Always, always looked at that as, as somehow that God was calling me to, to deeperness with him. That's great. That's great. So with the charismatic influence, you had a St. Paul event you went blind you, the holy spirit dropped oh on you gosh. like tongues of fire now i mean in all reality it's beautiful because you know your family sounds like they were a little bit of that catholic light in in a different community but could you walk us through a little bit your own faith journey what are some ways that that you felt god calling you or bringing you to himself because again very early on you said i had an attraction what did that sound like and how did that go um, it sounded like a deeper desire to know more about the Lord and to, um, so like relationship I read, yeah, to, <clears throat> to deepen that relationship, to really know who he was and mm -hmm. to, to have him know me. I desired so deeply to be seen by the Lord. I felt him pulling me very deeply at 16 and 17 into holy hours every week. Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt like a nerd all at the same time because right. there were not other teens in my parish. We did not have life teen in my parish. It hadn't been invented yet. Um, <laughs> I felt like a total nerd, but it was okay. Cause I also was in love with the Lord already. And I already said yes to him in so many little ways, I think. And I say with all respect and love for Jesus and reverence, He's very sneaky sometimes in our lives, I think. And he would invite me to one more thing. And I, and when I said yes to that, he would invite me to something more. So it was holy hours. And then it was literally reading Introduction to the Devout Life by DeSales mm -hmm. wow. yeah. when I was 17. And then it was going off to college and ending up accidentally not having a Catholic roommate who was very lukewarm in her faith, but I was still pretty on fire having just gone off to college. And so we would go walk to mass together on campus, which was the only Catholic thing we did all week, mind you, but we, we made it to mass most weekends, most weekends. Many think that's important. Um, yeah, it's just a little bit important. Um, but also just seeing God sometimes in creation in this really powerful way the the ocean has always attracted my heart and I can pray so easily there. A friend lately told me the Lord really flirts with me at the ocean. <laughs> like I will say to the Lord, I really need to know your presence. And I'm not joking The a dolphin will come up out of the water or uh -huh. he will put a, a Psalm quote in my mind. So it's like those tiny little things mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. along the way. And there's so many of those that I think sometimes are easy to miss, yeah. but they're sitting there all the time. Yeah. 
You said something that we heard from Emily Roman also, and you said he's, he, he teases, he's a flirt. He's a powerful lover. Yes. He is the perfect lover, right? Yes. And, and you, you said you wanted to love him. Remember, Emily was yeah. like, it was, if you're not talking about how I yes. love Jesus and he loves me, you have none of my attention, which I, which really kind of took me <laughs> off guard, right? That. Yeah, and and oh my gosh. I, any anyway, so that's that that kind of patterns struck me. But what I want to understand, you you said when you went to the different religious orders, they're like, hey, not yet, which kind of as a listener doesn't necessarily make sense. But what about your parents when you said, hey, oh, okay. this I want to do? Like, what did? How did your parents react? Um. <laughs> Okay. So, <laughs> now we're getting real. Now we're getting <laughs> and my parents are going to be going, oh gosh, you're being vulnerable for us as well. But, but you asked their permission. But I did ask their permission and we oh, had a good okay. conversation. Um, my dad is a cradle Catholic. My mom converted when she married my dad because she had had a longing to be Catholic for, for several years. It wasn't just that. Right. They were so deeply involved in their faith um, when I was young. I think that they were both stunned when I told them at 16, 17, that I thought God wanted me to be a sister. And I think, and what we have kind of talked about, and I've grown in an awareness of now, which I could not see at 16 and 17. Um, my mom particularly wanted me as her oldest daughter, as her oldest child to be married to a really wonderful man, to have a lot of children so that they could be grandparents and kudos to them because yeah. that is what, mm -hmm. what parents yeah. want, right? It was very difficult to start with. Uh, yeah. She had a really hard time. Uh, to jump to the end of the story, though, my parents were at my vow profession in November. They were here at my reciting of my vows again. Um, they're totally on board now, but it took them time. It took she and I a lot of time to get there together yeah. um, for her to understand that. She also needed to know that the Lord was going to take care of my heart exactly uh, as a human spouse would take care of my heart. And I think yeah. that's the key. Yeah. And to be able to, for me to grow in an awareness and articulation of that he is my spouse and I am head over heels in love with him. I think she needed to hear that along the way. And I didn't know how to say that when I was 17. Yeah. yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Most yeah. people wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Now, it's interesting that I just had a conversation with a friend of mine and um, his daughter dating a guy that was going to go into seminary. And he's like, hey, I think I love you. And she's fine. But all of a sudden, the mother of the guy is like, you ruined this. Mm. So, I mean, I think sometimes parents get caught up yeah. in the I want my kid yeah. to be in this or I don't want them to be in this. <laughs> Absolutely. Instead of stepping back and going, what does God really want? Absolutely. And I guess with that note, Mari, um, for all of our listeners, you are listening to AM 1160. The Quest Atlanta, and you're in the family room with us. Yes, you are. You know, I love the way you described how it wasn't all about, oh my gosh, I want grandchildren. It was your mother, the way she had experienced love in its mo most profound, intimate, beautiful way was in a human marriage yeah. um, is how she had experienced love. And so she wanted that for you. Mm -hmm. That's how our, all of us want the best for our children, because I remember thinking the same thing. When I had my son, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't want him to become a priest, right? Because I thought, oh, you know, I, I don't think I could deal with that. I want my, I would want my, my son, and I, now I have a daughter as well, obviously. I, I would want my child to be married. I wanted them to have what I had and what I was experienced. And one day in Mass, God just did something to my heart. And I remember kneeling there, and I remember thinking about vocation. And I remember seeing the priest up there on the altar and all of a sudden I was just overwhelmed with my heart just felt so full. And I thought, 
if my son were to ever become a priest, what that's the most amazing gift. Like he would be in the mm-hmm. best job in the world with the per- with the best boss ever, yeah, right? Yeah. But even more the boss, he would be, God would have him because my desire for both my children and I think all of our desire for our children is that they would be um, men and women after God's own heart. They would be doing whatever God wanted them to do. And so you were called by God. And um, so I'm sure that's why at this point, your mom and your dad are just so thrilled for you. Oh, without question. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I announced at age 13 that I was going to go into the priest prep seminary. Oh, that wow, I, I yeah. thought I had a vocation. My parents were like super cooperative. And, and, I, and I remember this is probably at age 50, I confessed to my, my, to my mom. I was like, you know, I was so homesick. Because we went off to boarding school. Mm-hmm. I was so homesick that I cried myself to sleep for probably three weeks. And she said, so did I. <laughs> so so she's very supportive. But it was just mm-hmm. like, it's hard to make that decision. And we do all kinds of things in the trades, trying to attract people to the trades. And they're like, we need plumbers. But when you ask a, a, a mom or dad, do you want your son to be a plumber, your daughter to be a plumber? They're like, ooh. That's not for me, but mm-hmm. but we need plumbers. Right? So yeah, it's interesting. It's very. So I do. I have to stop for a second. Is I have to apologize to our listeners because I kind of teased it and said, you know, she's got this very special vacation, but we never mentioned what it was. And then we talked about your your consecration. So Heather is a consecrated woman. So we're going to get into that in a few minutes and explain what a consecrated woman means because it's different than being a religious. Um, so we'll we'll understand that. Um, and I think one of the reasons I mentioned that is because at the at the when you were in high school and when you were in college and you were writing away, you didn't even know there was such a thing as a consecrated woman you didn't, didn't even know, know that, that that was an option i sorry i didn't know that there was consecrated life it's all consecrated life oh thank you but i didn't know that there was consecrated life the version that the lord has called my heart to which is through a secular institute so yeah we'll definitely get into yeah that in yeah minute. i think that's so important to to know about okay so i do want to go back to your story track it um, so you'd gone to college, you headed off to college with your roommate. Um, you had said you were dating a guy, right? There was yeah, this guy. I discerned marriage for a year, um, with my best guy friend from high school. And it was a beautiful, sweet, chaste dating relationship. We literally held pinkies. Like I was thinking about that this morning. It was so beautiful though, but really sweet. We did it the old fashioned way. We wrote letters to each other every single day and mailed them to each other. I wow. wish I still had those to see where my heart was oh, wow. then at 19 and 20, because it was sweet. Um, He felt called to the priesthood. He's married now and has five beautiful children. I'm the godparent of one of them, so it's really (laughs) lovely. Um, But yeah, but I knew that at the end of that time, it was hard. Like, it was hard not to discern marriage anymore when that ended. But like I said, I had already said yes to the Lord, and it wasn't enough. And every time I thought long-term, it was like it hit this wall in my Mm. own heart that 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 just wasn't where he had called my heart. Yeah. But I didn't know where it was that he had called it exactly. So that was the the hard part. That's really cool. The beauty of what you're saying, though, is um, often you said yes. You you Mm -hmm. heard God's calling and you answered, not just like, yeah, go away, I'm busy. Um, It's interesting, though, when you tell your story, because you were so drawn to God early on, you were so drawn. But yet I think when you talk about going to college, was there a slipping away period? Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. And that was much bigger. <laughs> Colleges, come on. And if there was a slipping away period, because I know I've got one going off to college, Mari's got two in college, but there's plenty of people that, you know, grandchildren or whatever, 
Is there really hope that they come back from that desolate society? <laughs> oh my gosh, so much hope. Always hope, right? Um, yeah, God never stops pursuing. I do believe so much as Catholics, we're baptized at a very young age and confirmed at a very young age for a reason. God's got a hold of us. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I think that the more that we can all encourage young people to say those small yeses along the way, whatever mm. those are. I think that's where the hope really kind of cements itself and keeps going. Uh, for me, um, I got kind of bored with being Catholic and not bored with the Eucharist and not bored with Jesus, but on campus, we had nothing going on. Mm. If your child, if they're, if your uh, child's at, at college, um, get them to try, do everything you can to get them involved in campus ministry. If there is one, mm -hmm. that was part of what happened for me. And my friends were very active in other faith, um, Organizations. Organizations. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And so that was a lot more attractive because it was busy and happening. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then again, the Lord pursued me two years into trying something else. I was Baptist. I was not really Baptist, but I mean, I, I went to Baptist church. I went to Episcopal church with friends and it was so much, uh, it was during Lent one year and I'm driving back home and the Lord was so clear to me through a Methodist churches in the middle of downtown Carrollton, their front yard had three crosses and purple draping all over it. It was the middle of Lent and it was as if it was audible in my heart and mind, Heather, you need to get home, dear. That's where you belong. And it was so clear and it was not my own voice. And so I literally the next day called the the church that was the Catholic church in Carrollton, Our Lady of Perpetual Help and said, um, when are confessions heard? And it just, again, God's timing is perfect. And it happened to fall right before a uh, penance service. And I went and was reconciled to God, to the church, because I knew I needed to do that before, yeah. mm -hmm. before I was back. So my hope, I mean, my hope that I would say to cling on to, number one is Jesus Christ. But number two is that the, all those little yeses, he doesn't let go of us. And he continues to pursue us always. Yeah. But I got to say that that was disappointing. I'm sorry. I mean, there... <laughs> You wanted I mean, tales of debauchery? I mean, what, what, what did you want? Did you want I, debauchery? I mean, come you? on. When I walk away, I want to feel better about myself. Somebody being worse. That was a beautiful story. <laughs> what I, I walked away and I prayed to Jesus in another faith. It's like, holy smokes. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I didn't whisper in my library voice when I was in the library. What, what did you want? Oh I'm going to confession. What? Uh, I didn't. I, I've been praising Jesus at another church. I did miss communion. But hey, we're roasty Heather. She's our guest. Oh, Welcome hey. to the family room. Oh, if, if you were in my family room, we'd be having this exact same conversation. I'm like, darn. Now I feel so, worse about so myself. So let me let's add some color. Here's Please. some color. Remember, yeah. remember. What did you do, John? I went to confession. Um, when John was in seminary at 15. Come on. That's right. That's right. This is true. Sorry, John. Go ahead. No, think about one of our guests, Thomas Clements. Yeah. Right? Who 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 was very vulnerable, told us about his addiction yep. and all those things. He said one of the things that he did to recover was to say yes to any kind thing anybody asked him to do. Mm. And when you said it's like Jesus gets you, he does. He, he you know, it's just like I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. And each time it's just a little further step. Yeah. A little, but there's a poem, The Hound of Heaven. Yeah. Yes. Remember, yeah. right? Yep. He's like relentless. But but when you said that, that resonated with me because Thomas was in that debauchery. Yeah. And and yet that's one of the ways that he got out was to just 
be yeah. a servant, say yes, say yeah. yes, say yes. Yeah. And by the time he's done with the yeses, he's out of the mess. Exactly. Well, and, the, and the beauty is that Christ never walks away from us. I don't Absolutely. care how far we walk. He tends to walk behind us because we've turned our back on him, but he never leaves us. And I think that's where a lot of the hope is too, that Christ is always knocking at that door. And even in the midst of our worst <clears throat> sin, he never stops loving us. He's always right there just waiting for us just to make that tiny little inkling of a turn. 100%. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that you mentioned is as Catholics, it's like we uh, we've known God forever. We were baptized as yes. babies and that doesn't happen in all the faith traditions. <clears throat> And so because we were baptized as babies, he's there. He's already got our heart. He's like you said, in different ways. But sometimes when you go off to college and you learn some different faith traditions, you meet different people. I remember when I went off to college. So um, you guys might remember that I, I grew up on Guam. Guam is 98% Catholic. Like every village has a patron saint. So when I went off to college, I went to college in Nashville, Tennessee, um, from my little tiny island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, where it was 98% Catholic, to Nashville, Tennessee, where it was not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And so freshman year, I remember the first thing people, they came up to me and they say, are you saved? Yeah. And I didn't know what that meant. And they said, well, how do you know you're going to heaven? Uh, I didn't know. I didn't have the words. I think you faced some of that too, right? I did for sure. When I was uh, both a child and a teen and in college, so many people would say, Heather, are you saved? And to start with, I had no clue what that meant until I finally figured out. I've I've been a keen listener and observer my whole life, probably why I'm a counselor. But (laughs) but yeah, to just know that all they were asking is, did I have a relationship with Jesus? Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. It's, yeah. And so I love, I love hearing that because I think all of us can say, yes, that's what we're, we are, we are called from an early age to have a relationship with mm-hmm. Jesus. It may not look exactly the same may, for every person because it's personal and it's intimate, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's what that means is that we have that relationship with Jesus. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. And, and as Catholics, we're automatically redeemed yeah. and saved in its own right. Now you have to say yes. I mean, the, the beauty again, what you said is. It's a constant saying yes to Christ and yes, I'm going to serve you. Yes, I'm going to do your will. But, you know, we can all with surety say, yeah, I mean, I've got the relationship and I keep developing it. You make a really important point. That's a good teaching point. Um, And and that's about the sacraments, right? So one of the Mm -hmm. things we know as Catholics is sacraments produce grace. And so they, they are effective regardless. And so having that baptism, having that confirmation those, the grace that comes, regardless of our awareness, mm-hmm. is a powerful thing, and we are claimed for Christ, right? And it's, and that's just, a, that's a fact, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's powerful. Yeah. yeah. And I have one friend who said, uh, "You say, um, yes, I have been saved. I am being saved, and I hope to be saved." Yes. Right? It's, a, it's yes. a continual journey that we're on. Definitely. It's important. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, So uh, listeners and Heather, we are going to come back right after this break and we're going to hear more from Heather, um, our consecrated uh, woman who is a beautiful guest for us today. And so we look forward to hearing more about her journey right after this break. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on the quest in today's world cybersecurity is critical for your business award-winning versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers for protection now see versprite.com that's versprite.com the quest thanks versprite for their support so you love listening to the quest but can't always listen live no worries now with the quest atlanta app you never have to miss out listen on demand submit prayer requests catch up on the latest headlines and so much more Available on the App Store and Google Play today. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, 
The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. This is Lisa Popchek from More to Life. Catholic Radio changes lives. It's for you, with you, every single day. Whether you're rejoicing over something and you need a community to share that with, or you're struggling with something and you need a community to support you. We're here for you every day to teach you about your faith and to help you live it. This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like More to Life available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of Catholic radio. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. We'll talk to you soon. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160, The Quest. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Family Room. We're talking with Heather Triggs, a consecrated woman, and she's telling us some really great stuff. And one of the things that we think is really great for every guest, Heather, is we ask them to share with us their favorite family room memory from, you know, growing up. What would be the favorite family room memory from the Triggs household? Um, for me, it was that there was always room at our table for another person. And so uh-huh. there were literally times that we would have a Thanksgiving dinner and one of my siblings would have brought a friend home that I don't even know what their name was. <laughs> they were just <laughs> at the table. Or my parents would have another kid in the house that was just staying for a couple hours or something. It was just one of those things that that our family was big. And so there was always room for more, which Mm. is kind of beautiful if we think about it in regards to the kingdom, right? There's always room for more. That is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Oh, very nice. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, So before the break, we heard the beautiful story of your faith journey and how God kept pursuing you and how he wooed you in so many beautiful ways. Um, But is there more? I know that Father Michael, at your um, ceremony of consecration, he asked you that question. He goes, so how did you get here? Was there more to that? Tell it, walk us through that whole um, journey because the religious had told you, no, we don't need you at 16 or 17. You almost walked away. You actually almost joined another faith tradition. Um, so how did you get to the point where you became a consecrated woman? 
Um, so fast forward quite a bit to 2001, and I took a job full time <laughs> at Holy Spirit Church as the youth minister there. Mm -hmm. There was a brand newly ordained priest that came there. Um, can I do a shout out? Of course. Yes. Father Luke Ballman, who right now is on loan to the USCCB working um, with clergy and consecrated life there. Um, he asked me one of those questions that doesn't stop. Um, and he said to me, we were, he was brand new ordained. We were working in youth ministry together. And he said, I don't know how you haven't thought about being a nun. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> I rejected them. Um, they rejected me. <laughs> 20 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever it was, 10 years ago. I don't know. I don't do math. Um, but no, he asked that question and it, and just that question really resonated again deeply. And I um, went on a couple of nun runs, uh, visited some communities. <laughs> wait, hold on. Wait, 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 excuse down. me. Back up. <laughs> we would like a definition. What is a nun, a nun run? run? Oh, sorry. I'm imagining um, little nuns in their habits no, no, yeah, running. Right. Is like it a 5K or a 10K? Like a three-legged race. I've been, up to the Dominican, I've been up to the Dominican house to visit <laughs> some nuns I knew. They were running around I'm playing sure. soccer in no, full don't. habits and robes. I mean, it was it was an okay. impressive thing I to see. But correct. I don't think that's what we're talking about. No, when when young women are discerning a vocation, often there's something called a nun run, okay. where you visit several religious communities back to back so that you can maximize your time away from <laughs> and your money to go fly somewhere. So I visited three or four communities up in the north that had apostolates that were attractive to me. It was things like counseling. It was things like uh, outreach to the poor. I think one of the communities, uh, it's its a community that uh, is charismatic prayer in general. Mm. Um, so it was just, I just visited some of those. So, so a lot of our listeners are not Catholic. So this is kind of interesting oh, for okay. them to even realize that different orders of sisters, different orders oh, yeah, of religious yeah, yeah. have different apostolates. Correct. Yeah. So they, many different religious communities do different things as far as their work goes, mm -hmm. all focused on that. Mm -hmm. That center is always Jesus Christ, but, but their particular charisms works. Are yeah. Charisms or apostolates are elsewhere. Yeah. That's more focused in places. So I visited some of those, but none of them ever really felt like home. Um, I got back to, to Holy Spirit and Archbishop Gregory gave the pastor and me permission at that time, 15, 16 years ago now, mm -hmm. I suppose, to try to start something in the archdiocese, but it never took traction. And mm. I was devastated because I thought this is what the Lord's calling me to. Oh, wow. And I was just devastated. Wow. And so kind of, I just put that at rest and I thought I either missed my opportunity to, to follow God's call, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I came up with 50 excuses and while single life isn't necessarily a, a it's not technically a, a, a vocational call because we're really made for marriage. We're made as a woman to be, to share our hearts and our bodies really completely with a spouse here or with Jesus Christ. But I thought, okay, I'm just going to live this, this single life and that's fine. And I'm going to make the best of it because I missed the boat. And father Luke comes up again in this conversation because, um, about five years ago, he, uh, called me out of the blue. Um, and said, Heather, I just met uh, this woman named Kathleen Tierney, who's the vocation, who's the directress for my community that I am a part of now. And he said, I think what she does in consecrated life through a single secular institute is what the Lord's been calling you to and speaking into your heart for all this time. And I just think you ought to give her a call. Mm. And I called her that like two nights later <laughs> and I talked and we talked for like two hours. Mm. And I knew in that moment that I was home where I belonged. Boom the craziest moment like there's been crazy moments in my journey 
But during that time, again, I think what kind of got me there was I'm on the vocations board and had a beautiful opportunity since 2008 to interview men that were um, applying to seminary, listening to their vocational calls, reaffirm my own, listening to, to, to some women who had gone to religious communities, even a former student of mine that's with the Dominicans now, really reaffirmed that along the way and, and opened that deep desire back up. Mm. You know, and that's one of the reasons we're doing this is because you got to hear those stories because you were sitting on the vocations yes. board, right? Yeah. People don't get to hear those stories. Yeah. So they don't know, wow, as, it could be, as you heard the stories, they were resonating with what you were feeling. But if you're sitting there all by yourself, you don't know yeah. that yeah, until exactly. you hear from somebody else. So I think that's part of our, our, whether we're being called to religious life or whatever, I think we are always supposed to be sharing our stories of how God is touching our lives with one another, right? Absolutely. That's our sincere prayer. I mean, really all the mess that we go through and talk about, it's like, we're hoping that somebody hears that and that's God's that you talked about. Just give them a little, just turn a little bit. We're hoping that's somebody's little turn, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's interesting too, when you talk about all of that, um, because again, I think people look, it's either not married because I can't, mm-hmm. um, I'm married because I should be, mm-hmm. and you know, don't discern between the two. And we've actually had a, another young lady on the show who's a consecrated here that, you know, tracks with the legionaries. Mm-hmm. For those who may not know though, what's the difference between being consecrated versus actually being a religious sister? Oh, Okay. Okay, so if you think of consecrated life for women, and I'm only speaking into women because that's what I know, right? Um, obviously. Fair, <laughs> Fair enough. We're tracking with you now. Oh Ooh, that one up. So consecrated life for women, there's different there's different ways of life that fall under that. Mm-hmm. There is religious life, as we're more familiar with, Dominicans, mm-hmm. Franciscans, um, what have you. I had Sisters of Mercy at my high yes, school. Yes, I had the presentation sisters at my grade school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's consecrated virginity, which is a specific form form of consecrated life. There's a couple of other forms, but secular institutes, which is how I'm consecrated. Um, you live in the world, you're bound in your community by a shared rule of life, by a shared constitution. The vows are identical. I am vowed to poverty, celibacy, and chastity, and obedience. How how poverty and obedience are lived out in the world are a little differently. Our celibacy is, is identical, obviously. But that's the real difference is and we don't wear a habit uh secular institutes do not it's a form of consecrated life that pius the 12th i hope i got that right in 1947 uh promulgated and said this is a a viable way of consecrated life for people Hmm. so So it's the newest form so you don't live in a convent i don't live in a convent i still live in my i have a condo in marietta i live in that condo uh, Vow of Poverty says I have to live a very simple life. I have to live a detachment from money and splashy stuff. Um, <laughs> I don't know a better way to say that. <laughs> Obedience, obviously, first and foremost to, to the Father in heaven. And then to our constitution, to my director specifically, to our bishop, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But do me a favor, break yeah, down yeah, yeah. consecrated. So I don't know that everybody oh, okay. understands what consecration okay. means. Mm. So consecrated life means that the Lord has all of me. Mm. Um, as married persons, your spouse shares a part of you and certainly first and foremost, hopefully in your relationship, even as a married person, Christ is first, but there's a singleness of heart that a consecrated person is called to that. I don't get to go to another person first, and I don't get to go home at the end of a really cruddy day, which I have, I have those like everybody 
or with super excitement, I don't get to turn to a person first. I turn, I am called, doesn't mean that I, I do that perfectly all the time because I don't. That's what the sacrament of confession is for. That's what God's <laughs> mercy is for. But I am called to turn first and foremost to Jesus Christ as my spouse. And so a consecrated person, a consecrated woman takes Christ as their spouse. And you were saying someone, and I listened to her um, podcast with you guys, yes. If you're not talking about Jesus as my spouse, then yeah, I don't, I don't know. You, you right just, there. you can't, yeah. you know, yeah. because otherwise it doesn't make sense. Cause yeah. that's what the core of consecration is about. Mm. Man, that was a great explanation. Yeah. It was Thank really you. good. And, and until so I heard you two talk, I had no idea mm. how to understand that. Even when father Juan Pablo tried to explain that to us, I was like, I'm, I'm not saying with that. So, so when we think about selfishly for me as priests, and I think many of us for priests, we know like you got pre-novitiate, novitiate, right. theology, you know, a transitional deacon. There's all this process. What's the process for a consecrated woman? So, so for my community, and that's the only one that I know 100% about because okay. I've lived that, um, there was a period of aspirancy where mm -hmm. that was when I talked with my direct, with Kathleen, my director, and I sat down with her on the phone for us because we're so spread out. But we talked through what were my motives in, in wanting to, to be in consecrated life. And it was kind of a testing period. And then we don't necessarily call it a postulancy, but we had a postulancy and novitiate kind of rolled into one to, for people that are more comfortable with that traditional I language. I think the sound of music has helped a lot of people. It probably has. Yeah, yeah, it probably okay. has. I didn't think about so that. So Maria was a postulant, right? <laughs> there you go. But where, where I studied our constitution, I, and, and our community is the DeSales Secular Institute. So, so for we St. have Francis a, DeSales. Correct. It's a Salesian mm -hmm. community. We have a rule of life. We have a prayer guide for our day um, called the directory. Um, we studied, we studied those documents. We studied what are those vows about? We studied, um, in shared community time. We did zoom before zoom was necessary. So that was kind of nice because it shifted well because you guys were all over the country. We're, yeah. We're, yeah. So the sister that my sister that professed with me, uh, she lives in Canada, right on the other side of the border, so, mm. but she made vows with me back in November. So we were meeting by zoom every week. Uh, for two hours to pray together and to to go through all the study together. We read Introduction to the Devout Life. We worked on the treatise on the love of God. We worked on other writings of DeSales, Vatican documents on consecrated life. Um, mm. And looking at how, how do we live this in the world? What does it mean to be a, a woman in a secular institute um, and to bring the Lord out into the into the everyday life that we live. Wow. So listeners, if you're just tuning in, you are here in the family room and we're having a very fascinating conversation with Heather Triggs, our guest here today. And we're talking about the life of a consecrated woman. That sounds like you really knew what you were getting into. I mean, they really made sure you had read enough, you'd done enough study. How long did that take? Um, that is typically a two-year process. Um, after two years, I got really nervous and <laughs> took right. a little break. So mine actually lasted about three and a half to four years. And that I, was um, okay. They allowed and, you to do that. Well, yeah, I had to request that. They had to get permission. No one in my um, institute had ever left formation and asked to return. But I asked to come back within two months. So it was, and I never really lost contact. And God rest her soul, our eldest um, member, Dot Kelly, who just was such such a beautiful woman here and I can't wait to see her again she passed away less than a month ago she was my first um, uh, vocations formation person in the community and she told me when I came back she'd been praying that I would come back the whole time and you know Aww. 
consecrated women are sneaky too, like Jesus. Because, you know, we're married. We, I mean, to be birds of a feather. Exactly, right? So, yeah, she was praying for me to return. Wow. So, yeah. That's great. So, yeah, there's no surprises. I know what I signed up for, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but I'm still under, I'm still unfolding that spousal relationship and what that means every so, day. So are we. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I'm being yes. serious. That's what yeah. we talk no, about here on the family room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My that, spiritual you, director. Is, he and just I'm like, it's the family room. What do mm-hmm. we, and I'm like, well, everything is relevant in the family room. And, and I, I keep thinking about, be careful how I say this, but like, think of all the people that we've talked to that have said, talking about marriage, Christ has to be the center. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where you started. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's yeah, like yeah. powerful. Yeah. I know when you, when you were talking about how at the end of a really bad day or you're having a really cruddy day or you've, you've got, you're really excited about something, the first person you're supposed to go mm-hmm. to is Jesus. Well, as Christians, we're all supposed to do that. I was thinking about this quote I heard one time. It says, before you go to the phone, go to the throne. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and that'll keep us from gossiping. It'll keep us oh, from yeah. venting and saying things we regret. Mm. But it also, it gives glory to God. I mean, when we're joyful and excited. And so whether we're, con- we're all, I guess we're consequential. I was, gonna say, I was going to say, you know, consecration, yeah. when I, I was, you know, my mother claims I was a miracle baby and she consecrated Absolutely. me to God from the mm-hmm. beginning and was like, you know, I'm going to do everything I can. And I think to your point, yeah. we're not professed <clears throat> consecrated, right. but I think we are to consecrate ourselves to God, put him first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I'm going to serve you. And quite honestly, you just said it, I'm coming to you first. Yeah. Help me discern and then I'm going to go to my spouse to, you know, together we'll come to you. But I think you consecrate the whole relationship for sure. And yeah. you definitely have a consecration through baptism. All of mm. us do, right? Mm-hmm. Mine is, is deepened in a different way. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, but we're all called to, to, to consecrate our entire life to him really. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. your spousal relationships with your spouses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. for anybody who's ever listened before, Heather keeps talking about, what do you call spiritual direction? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I keep bringing it up, and I don't mean to be overly <laughs> redundant, but if we really want to get down in our faith, folks, we need to have spiritual guides, spiritual directors, spiritual partnership that keep helping us listen to that voice and keep hearing the call, because you keep talking about you're consistently hearing God's call through nature, through whatever, and it's so helpful to have a guide that can walk with you in that and help lead you back to God. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and mine reminds me so often because when I will get frustrated with myself, he actually reminds me, and it's 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 a sales quote I do want to share that we have to have patience with everything but ourself and our own weakness because the Lord loves even my weakness. And of all the things that my director says to me continually, because I'm really hard on myself, is that he's like, Jesus loves your flaws and he loves your cracks and your breaks and those things that you don't find easy to love about yourself. He actually loves that. And he's not going to love you once you get it all worked out, but he's going to love you right there. Yeah. And, and that for me is such this valuable reminder because those are the things that are hard to share with the Lord, even though he sees them, it's like, I don't want him to see those things, you know, and this, this priest director of mine reminds me all the time of that. So that's, yeah, that's valuable. It is. So one of the things that you were talking about when you were explaining the things you studied, as you said, or the things you um, adhere to, as you talked about kind of a, you didn't call it a rule of life, but you had mm-hmm. a, um, And I'm a little jealous of that. I'm kind of like, I need one of those, (laughs) you know, Um, but, but what it made me think about too was, you know, we, as we said, we had Emily Roman 
on the show. She and Father John Klein were on the show. You know them. Yes. And um, so listeners also, you can always go back. We're podcasted. So if you have the, the Quest Atlanta app on your phone, you can go to Shows on Demand, Programs on Demand, and go to local shows in the family room. And all of this is podcasted. You can listen to any of these and they're by title and the people who are on there. So um, but she, you know, she's a, uh, she's consecrated legionary. Mm-hmm. How did you choose the, um, so you say you call it Silesian, Silesian for, yeah. Silesian for father, for, I'm um, sorry, I keep on doing that. Okay. Saint, Saint Francis de Sales, right? Well, I had, um, I think I said earlier, I met him, so to speak. I met de Sales when I was in high school and read Introduction to the Devout Life. He speaks so much in that book and it's, it was written for lay people. Mm. Yep. Um, he speaks so much about how to bring holiness into our everyday life. Ah. He's kind of credited with this thing that we all take for granted now. The universal call to holiness is sprung out of Vatican II. But so much of it reflects his writing that what you do when you're cooking dinner tonight for your family is holiness. If you offer it to the Lord and you offer it in love to your family, right? I mean, just that simple little thing. And again, it, it just had been such a part of trying to and I use the word consecrate very freely, but trying to consecrate my day to the Lord throughout the day. And that had just been part, you know, even, even when I was doing the Baptist and the Episcopal (laughs) visit, um, that, that, that presence of the Lord throughout the day was so important. That's such a Salesian thing to offer every moment of every day to Mm. the Lord. And that just resonated so deeply. And St. Francis de Sales lived in the 17th 17th century, century, right? So Mm -hmm. right after the Reformation and was dealing with all that. So one of the things you taught me I thought was interesting that goes along with what you just shared was that something that Mother Mother Teresa is credited with saying (gasps) is actually something that St. Francis de Sales originally said. Yeah, de Sales said in the treatise on the love of God, which was written somewhere around there, somewhere around the 17th century, I'm not a historian, he said that very rarely do we get opportunities to do huge things, but that we we get lots of opportunities to do very small things with great love. Therese of Lisieux picked up on that, who's my patron saint, and Mother Teresa, Saint Mother Teresa picked up on that. And I just love the way that, that there's three great saints of the church, uh, two doctors of the church and Mother Teresa, who lived it, right? Yeah. And who were all picking up on that same thing. And that's what we all can do in our daily lives. And they each lived it in different ways. Yeah, they did. Which is Absolutely. really cool. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about St. Francis de Sales, because this is kind of cool. I think even as Catholics, we don't always um, dive into the lives of the saints as much. And it's fascinating because we can learn so much from their lives and their testimonies. And before you do that, though, Devout Life, wasn't that written from him to his spiritual child? It yes. was, yeah. So yeah, he yeah. was spiritual directing and wrote that for those people. Beautiful book, by the way. And Ralph Martin wrote Fulfillment of All Desire, which mm-hmm. was a dissection of okay. that with mm-hmm. what every one of the great saints you talk about what they had to say, and he yeah. breaks it down. It's a beautiful, beautiful book. So sorry for interrupting. Yeah, no, 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 we'll, but great. we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I don't know that book, so that's exciting to me as a Salesian to say, oh, I could go read that now. Because so, <laughs> I have a stack. I, I have like a five-foot stack of books that's growing. Um, <laughs> no, um, so Francis de Sales lived in the 17th century. He was a bishop in Geneva. He really wanted unification of, of the church because mm-hmm. it was so desperately just splintered, and people were were very almost overly pious and not understanding that everyone lay people not just priests and religious could be holy and could have a life of holiness and follow the lord 
he was all about relationships. Jane DeChantal is another heavy hitter saint. They were kind of besties when it wasn't a cool time to be besties <laughs> with men and women, yeah. right? I mean, it was a little it's a little cool, you know, if you think about it, but saints stick together. So we need to surround ourselves with holy people so that we can grow in holiness. But but he was her director and and really helped her understand uh, within the context of a family, she had a family. Ultimately, she ended up in a convent and they founded, a, they founded the Visitation Sisters. Our community springs out of that tradition. The Oblates of St. Francis spring out of that tradition. But really, he taught about the little virtues that we all can, can mm-hmm. fill our days with, with gentleness and uh, patience and those things that sometimes are really hard for us and they don't mm-hmm. have to be, you know, that, that perfect stuff. Um, but but also he really, really spoke to people's everyday life about trusting the Lord with what was coming. That one of my other favorite quotes is that um, either the father will shelter us from the stuff that's ahead that's rough or he's going to give us exactly what we need in that moment. And so mm-hmm. to try to to try to rest that in, in him and not not feel like we have to control everything. That is, I think you just encapsulated encapsulated like the best tie we have to the whole family room concept, right? Because it is the family room. It's the little things. It's the making the dinners. It's the, mm-hmm. it's all those things. Um, we're, we're about two minutes away from wrapping. Um, uh, but maybe is there, are there any other little hints or tips or things you'd like to share, uh, before we, uh, before we wrap um, up? Just if you're talking to your children, get them in front of the Blessed Sacrament. That's the best way to, to I think, discern a vocation. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be an hour. It can be five minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got younger children or you have college children who are who are like, I can't go sit and pray for an hour. Lots of people can't go sit and pray for an hour. <laughs> I can't easily do that every day of my life. And I'm vowed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but get 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 your kids, get your family, your grandchildren, get them in front of Jesus. Um mm-hmm. That's the biggest one because the person of Jesus Christ is where we encounter what we need. Yeah. No one encounters Jesus and comes away unchanged. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And we can't be afraid to let them ask questions. I mean, no. I know we get afraid of, oh, they're going to fall away by asking questions. Let no. them ask questions. And answer them. And if you don't have an answer, find it. It helps you learn your faith. But just be open. And to your point, this entire thing is about Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, it really is. So. Mm-hmm. It is. And for those who don't know what adoration is, once again, oh, you, okay. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of Catholic churches will have an adoration chapel where, where Jesus is on display in the monstrance. So we believe that the true body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ is in the, um, host in the Eucharist. And so he is on display. And so there are a lot of churches around where you can go and kneel before him and spend some time with them. Speaking of prayer, uh, yes. let's, let's wrap with a prayer. Yeah. yeah. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Loving Father, we thank you so much for the gift of this time together. We thank you for those who are um, hearing this. We ask, Lord, that you would draw each one of us deeper and deeper into your heart. Pull us into your lap and just wrap us up as only you, our Father, can do in your love. Help us to trust that what you give us this day is what we need, no more and no less. Help us to love you better tomorrow than we did today. And Mary, our mother, we ask that as only a mother can hold us, that you continue to hold us in your care. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Heather, thank you so much for blessing us today. You're we so loved welcome. having with you. And listeners, we look forward to seeing you next week here in the family room where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room. Sponsored by Versprite. 
For more info, go to am1160thequest.com.